0: Namuhatasa Bhagavato, Adahato S αalahthey, smashed bhuttasana. On knees and stroll withorts and sleeping in, <the world> <speaking> in <the world> Aparuta de sang a mata ye So this evening, I've been asked to give a Dharma reflection. By this I mean, uh, just what I say is to be reflected upon, and not in an irrational way, not to kind of think, you know, your opinions, views are true or false. But encouraging this sense of observing how things do affect you. Words affect us very strongly. So some words uh, you know we react to, we have uh, make us feel inspired, others make us feel angry or depressed. Uh, tone of voice uh, all kinds of things are going on at this very moment. Just how your body feels, whether you're feeling healthy and uh, relaxed, peaceful, or feeling tense or painful. Um, however, this awareness is, is uh, just observing, being a witness, observer of the way it is. And so this, knowing the way it is, the knower of the world, is not, uh, you know, is this is within our ability. We can know the way it is right now. It's like, not in terms of, you know, whether it's the best or the worst or right or wrong, but it is like this. So this is a kind of obvious uh, thing I'm saying is, so plain, so simple that, that it bypasses most people. (coughs) Because uh, we're not conditioned to, to do that. We're, we're conditioned to see ourselves through all kinds of uh, ideas, views, opinions, ideals, uh, through uh, the critical mind and we have various strong views, opinions, attitudes, prejudices, biases, preferences and so forth that, that that we tend to believe in and give importance to. And so this is, you know, as long as we're caught in this realm of, of the critical mind, of the dualistic thinking mind, in the blind patterns of conditioning, then of course this realm is, is a realm that we're we're kind of stuck into it, caught into the trap of birth and death. And this. Uh, This trap, of course, is how many lifetimes have we been caught in this trap? I'm sure I've had many, many more lifetimes than this one. I'm a slow learner, so. (laughs) I've probably done some pretty stupid things in past lives, maybe some gallant, noble actions, heroic, cowardly, good, bad, but this is just playing with words what i'm doing right now because the important thing is pointing to here and now the way it is so it's it's very important too to really uh, Recognize that this is all there ever is, is the here and now. And when you reflect on it, you can see that, you know, whatever you remember of the past was, uh, you know, that's a memory in the present. So we can live in a world of memories and conditioned thoughts and emotions and attitudes and so forth that, that we give us a sense of time of being a continuous soul or personality <clears throat> that uh, we we can write our biographies our autobiographies about my life as if as if I was a as a continuous person through time but the reality is that there's only the here and now and um there's not a person but there is awareness and this is the constant factor in at this moment if we begin to recognize it notice it then the all the uh, assumptions we make out of ignorance out of the self view fall away when there's no self then there's no problems When, when you become somebody, then you're, you're in the world of problems, issues, feelings, relationships, loves and hates, uh, resentments and fears and desires, jealousies. When there's no person, no problem. People talk about issues that we have, and uh, we've got we've got issues, and uh, we talk like this a lot these days. The issues of the sangha, (coughs) the issues of the World Abbot's meeting, the issues of the nuns, and so forth. And so these are issues are. you know, we give great importance to. these. uh We've got to resolve issues. But if there's no person, there's no issue. If I identify as being a monk, and that's my identity, then there's going to be issues around me as a monk and you as a lay person. You as a nun, you as another monk. <laughs> because on that level of worldly... Uh, dhammas of the sankharas, and there, there's always these feelings of of like, dislike, uh, fairness, unfairness, right, wrong, good, bad. What should what shouldn't be? And so that that world is is what we create. We are we're the creator of the world. So don't blame it on God. So the world is you know, pointing to to the world, this, this English word world, which is um a creation, you know, it's a word that we we think we understand. We say the world's in a terrible state, you know, the world is uh going through a lot of issues or problems and and there's endless problems in the world, aren't there? Just on In the world, as we we commonly use the term, the World Abbots Meeting—that's what we had in last January. World Abbots, Abbots (laughs) were from all over the world, and we're not even abbots. That's not even a Buddhist term. But a meeting, and it has this acronym WAM, which is a kind of jokey word, isn't it? Because we think of, when you get a lot of senior monks together, it's like being, you know, you're constantly kind of be having the sense of being whammed. <laughs> because senior monks can be full of opinions and views. And so you have wham meetings, and, then they, and one monk will say, well, we've got to preserve the purity of the tradition at all costs. And then you know, and then you get into this very righteous state of preserving the purity of not uh, moving away from the from the true dhamma, the real Buddha dhamma, and so forth. And you get others more like, well, you know, we've got to learn to adapt to, you know, different cultures and you know, we've got to be more reasonable about this and see that, you know, it's a different time, different place. This is being very reasonable and sensible and rational. And the other is more, you know, it's more clear cut. When you're being reasonable about things and we've got to, you know, learn to adapt and try to, you know, uh, do the right things, and, and of course we don't, we've got to be more kind of sensitive to the situation and and um, feel it more so we can get a sense of how, what we should, how we should act. And then, no, you obey the rules, the rules like this, you do this, you don't do that. And that, that gets a little more clear-cut, isn't it? It's kind of a fundamentalist approach. When you get into you know how we feel or you know it sounds a bit you know wet and not not so you know how, you know how you feel one way I feel another. Well, let's just forget our feelings. Let's just do it according to the the rule book. Well, these are you know these are two extremes. <coughs> and ways of thinking and holding concepts one is being you know reasonable about reasonable about everything trying to include and adapt and be politically correct and and sensitive to the other is uh, you know being strong and direct and and laying down the law and not none of this wishy-washy touchy feely business so you know and we i think we all have tendencies in in both directions i can see the the you know the hardliner in myself as well as the as as well as the you know the touchy feely sensitive so So, then, what to do? You know, Who's shy, whose side should I take? And this has been a this has been a dilemma for most of us. You know, coming from an ancient tradition like this one. But then the the point is, you know, the, the whole purpose of our being in this form, you know, to me, to me anyway, this is my view, is for liberation. You know, it's not to keep a purity of a tradition or to be so sensitive to everybody's feelings and, and trying to be all inclusive and, and that to everything in the universe or to lay down the law and keep to that at all costs. But it's uh, using uh, conventions, traditions, forms, rules, precepts, meditation techniques, whatever, for awareness. Now how do you do that? What, to use the conventional world, the body itself, your own body, your own character conditioning uh, for awareness. Now, what is awareness then? And this is uh, awareness. uh, I use the word mindfulness and awareness interchangeably. So some people want to separate them and try to differentiate between mindfulness means this and awareness means that. But when I use them, it means the same thing. It's just, I get tired of one, so I start using the other. And what this what this means is to me, is this state of open attentiveness. Uh, I remember in, in Italy, giving retreats in Italy with a translator and they they use the word attention as, as a, attention as a as a word for mindfulness and awareness. So attention is also good enough in English, isn't it? So it's an attentiveness to the present. It's opening. It's not concentrated on something. But it's a receptive state. Uh, It's a natural state. It's not created. You're not trying to, like when you concentrate on something, when you do samatha practices, then you focus on an object by excluding everything else. So you, 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 you're kind of one-pointed on something, on a mantra or your breath or a flame or casino or whatever, on an object that you choose and you uh, exclude everything else. So with that kind of concentration practices which is very skillful you know, it's not to be despised I'm not condemning it but it it is a different thing than say um, with, where you're being just awareness, pure awareness or attention which is a state of just open receptivity so you're not forcing anything, you're not focusing on trying to take something by excluding everything else. It's a willingness to be open and receptive to the here and now and all that I, that, that implies in terms of, of experience that you're, you know, from where you are, from the, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what your emotions are like, what your, your you know, your state of health, your, your body, the situation you're in, the Dharma Hall at Chitthurst, is like this. So it's like this is, is just this a way of reminding yourself, and you're not looking for, uh, you know, to judge or criticize or evaluate this moment, but just to receive it. So it's more like a, An embracing, sense of embracing, opening, receiving, relaxing. Just being here and now. But paying attention. Not at this moment, not choosing anything in particular to be attentive to. But just recognizing this is, when I say mindfulness, I say awareness or sattisampatanya or attention. It mean, just means this, very simple, natural state. So this is, even though this seems very simple and I'm sure you understand what I'm saying, uh, to actually rest in this state is not something we're conditioned for. We're conditioned for uh concentrating on things we're, we're looking for something to to think about to we see things that affect us we see things we like and we 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 proliferate on that or we see things we don't like and then we proliferate on that and then we we have certain feelings or emotions in meditation you know your certain things will come up uh, certain emotional states, you know. When when I first started meditation, I just wanted peace. So I just wanted to avoid the whole world and all the problems, issues of the world, and all my emotional feelings and fears and desires by going into a nice state of just bliss. That's what I was hoping for. I thought meditation's a great, good idea because you. Tranquillity meditation that's what I want, and so you know you know my basic intention was to 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 get out of suffering because I found you know I just caught in a very confused um, world that I created, I lived in a world of confusion. Didn't know what I wanted, was bored with life and uh, was pretty disappointed with my life at that period, about 30 years old. Wasn't what I expected to get at the age of 30, Was a big disappointment. (laughs) And when I was 20, I had great hopes, great ambitions. At 30, I was disillusioned. confused because of the way I lived you know just not just kind of wandering about and just getting yeah. by you know living countries like the United States you can you can just get by so easily you know just without putting a lot of effort or or you know real effort into any in your life you can just drift along in the system and get by. So I, I learned how to do that. I could, I got through the university just by figuring out how you get through the systems. And so, <laughs> and through the military and all the rest, just kind of half heartedly doing things. And so by the age of 30, this half heartedness was, was, uh, you know, it had, I had no, just no, just fed up and really bored and life seemed pretty uh, disappointing. So that the turning to meditation was uh, maybe a way of solving the problem. I thought first it would be like finding a state of bliss and, in which once I, I got it all the rest would would never affect me anymore and be in in a state of perpetual happiness, maybe, peacefulness. But then, uh, as you all know, when you start meditating, it doesn't like that. You have moments where you're very peaceful and tranquil and everything's lovely, and then and then things start changing. And either they're changing around you or inside you. So, you know, if you want, if your peacefulness, your tranquility depends on a peaceful, calm environment where, 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 you know, there's no harshness, no demand, and no, no, uh, harsh sounds. And, uh, you feel safe and secure. And then you kind of, you can kind of feel very at ease and, that helps to re, to stay tranquil. But then things change, somebody slams the door or, or somebody, you know, starts yelling in the, at you or, I mean, you get very upset because, you know, you're, these, these are upsetting situations loud noises if you're very much, if you're very tranquil, you don't want to hear loud cacophonous noise. So, then if, then inside, internally, you know, you, you, you like this kind of refined state of concentration, but then maybe you can't sustain it and other things, other coarser things come up into consciousness that you're trying to resist, or maybe you spend your life resisting. Anger, uh, repressed anger, fears. Uh, resentments so so this is uh, this is where this awareness is the is the way is the way of liberation not by controlling uh, and refining experience but by embracing life at this moment learning how to open and relax Put yourself in the position of the Buddha seeing the Dhamma. So this is the, this is the paradigm of the Buddha knowing the Dhamma. So this is what I call the Buddha is its awareness, state of awareness like this. Knowing the way it is, the Dhamma. Rather than me, Ajahn Sameto, practicing meditation in order to get enlightenment. You see the difference? If I'm Ajahn Sameto, then I'm a person trying to get something that I desire. I think I really desire enlightenment, really like that idea. If enlightenment means, you know, I get out of the whole mess and I live in a state of bliss. <laughs> And then, so I'm into this, you know, as a personal effort to to change myself into a better person, become an enlightened Buddha in the future. But it's more direct than that. Instead of trying to become the Buddha, you be this Buddha. And then what does your personality say to that? You think, be the Buddha? You crazy? Some of the thoughts I have and emotions, and Buddha would never have such things. And, uh, and I'm, you know, really, uh, I've got some, done some pretty dreadful things in my life, and, and, uh, I've got some, you know, really bad habits, and, uh, so I can't, you know, I can't assume that I'm the Buddha. It's not thinking uh, I am the Buddha, in other words, this is a vain thought. But, being the Buddha means being in the state of awareness, the observer, the knower of the world, pure consciousness. So that's, in uh, Theravada terms, that's taking refuge in Buddha. That's Bhutang Sarnangachami. That's not, me, Ajahn, Samedo, I'm a Buddha. It's not that. It's It's taking refuge in this Refuge, I rest in this state of awareness. Seeing the Dhamma, knowing the way it is. And what is the way it is? And then, then the, the way it is is that all conditioned phenomena is impermanent. So you start noticing, paying attention to the nature of conditioned phenomena, which means your body, your emotional habits, your memories... What you see, hear, smell, taste, touch everything that we that that everything that we're identified with and attached to and blinded by. In other words, the world that we live in. And we live in our own worlds, and that when you you know, learning you want a relationship with somebody else, oftentimes it's a clash of two worlds. Because two people wanting a relationship can be living in totally different worlds as you probably well know. <clears throat> so the world then is, is the creation that we, what we create. that sense of me as a separate person my personality, my emotional habits, my uh, karma, my identities, my preferences, my views and opinions. All of this is, is a world I create, what I prefer politically, what I approve of in terms of politics, economics, philosophy, ideals, culture, all of that. And what I don't, what I detest, what I despise, what I look down on and and uh, then then, about myself as a person, because personality is a created state, then we're we're always in relationship to somebody else's personality, so so you know we have you know sometimes we're very conceited and arrogant, or we tend to be self disparaging insecure confused um but these things change according you know when you're if you're conceited and thinking you're, you're the best, there's always somebody going to come along and, and, and you think they might be better than you are. So there's jealousy, competition, you know, you've got to be, if, you want, if you want to be the winner of the best, then you're in a state of continuous kind of anxiety about because especially you get older, you, know, you become an old man like me, you see all these young monks competing against the old duffer. (laughs) So (laughs) there. This is personal, isn't it? The world that one creates. And so this is, don't believe me, this is just a way of using words and and trying to use the word world. Not in terms of some external, cultural definition of world. But a world that we live in, what is the world that you live in? You know, is is what you're thinking, the mood, the the tendencies of your character, whether you're uh, buoyant or ebullient or uh, positive or you're sad, negative or angry or greedy or whatever. Now uh, these, you know, we all have different tendencies. We experience all these different states, but sometimes we're more more prone towards, you know, being positive about life and self-respect. And other times we're very self-critical or tend towards sadness or uh, gloominess, cynicism. But the knower of this, the ability to know that it's like this, whatever way you're feeling, I'm not telling you how you should feel. You know, how you, you know, if you were really a a person I approved of, you'd have to feel a certain way. (laughs) You know, on my personal view, I want people to always look happy in front of me. Because you know it does a thing. If everybody looks angry and gloomy, I take it quite personally. <laughs> <laughs> so that can be a problem. Or you know you uh, live in a in a in a and and you relate to each other in various ways and and we think you know that we're all practicing in the same way but each one is is in their own way uh you know observing the world or the what the, the way they the way it is that the individual is experiencing right now it can be very different from one to the next so you know I don't know how many and people, monks, nuns have asked me about, you know, uh, some people, You remember, come and they start meditating, you know, they're just beginners. And you've been meditating maybe for years now. And some new person comes in and sits down and they go into a blissful state. Mm-hmm. And they see lights and colors and and hear the heavenly chorus, and <laughs> angels appear, and and so then they say, "Oh, Ajahn Tomato!" You know, the most wonderful meditation. It's the first time I have ever meditated, but you know, it was. I just opened up, and suddenly the whole, the heavenly realms just came, and I just felt this sublime state of this bliss. It's wonderful, and then the person listening thinks i've been meditating fifteen years now, and that never happens to me <laughs> because that's what a desirable state isn't it when the you know, heavens come and the lights and beautiful beautiful things happen and 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 some voice from God comes and tells you you're you're you know you're a highly developed specially attained creature and this is wonderful for the ego and then then others are you know kind of sitting there <laughs> trying to watch their breath and they're going through depression, disappointment, and all that despair and we don't like that you know that's not very pleasant to uh, have, you know, so just think of your own life, how much time in your own life is spent trying to find happiness you know, to get out of despair or boredom or gloominess or sadness you know, trying to find something to laugh at something, drink, have a drink and, and uh, party and TV and surfing the net and Traveling abroad, having a love affair, and going on an adventure—all this, uh, you know, is attempt <coughs> of a human individual to to uh, to find happiness or have exciting, interesting experiences. Because so much of life isn't interesting, or beautiful, or or uh, you know, uh, romantic, or whatever it's. It's just like this. You breathe in, breathe out. Body, you know, sit too long, you get pain, you know, restless feelings, pain in the legs. You stand too long, walk too much, lay down too much. Your body is always, you know, going to, and this is living with a human body. with And so there's, you know, trying to to avoid this this uh, distress, anxiety, emotional <clears throat> extremes, you know, emotional depression, we we usually seek extremity for a kind of highly uh, exciting emotional experiences. So, romance, adventure, excitement are like taking the emotions up to the top, isn't it? The peak moments, but you can't sustain a peak moment. You know, like you reach a peak, and then what happens? You can't go any higher, so you go down. Like your breath, you can't just inhale. You reach a peak where the inhale stops, inhalation stops, and then what does it do? It exhales. That's the, that's the pattern of all conditioned phenomena. Now, in, in, looking at Anapanasati in this way, you know, the, the reflection on breathing, mindfulness of the breath, you're, you're getting the, the pattern of all conditioned phenomena. The arising, ceasing. I used to really examine, like, the arising. I found out my mind didn't wander on the, on the inhalation, but always would go drifting off on the exhalation it was more difficult to sustain awareness through an in exhalation. And I thought, well, that's pretty much what life is like for the average person, isn't it? it you know, you're pretty much with a romance, adventure, excitement. When it goes down, you, you try to find something else that you can go up with. So, you know, you're, you're you know, going the the inhalation and an exhalation, you're looking forward to the next inhalation. (laughs) So you're not, (laughs) you're not really being mindful of the reality of exhaling. Now, you know, we think that they aren't that much different, but are they? You know, just this is for you to examine, you know, and kind of investigate. So, we Again, like meditation is one where we sit on and do these boring things like walking meditation and sitting for long periods and that is because you do have to learn to endure and not just when you feel bored with sitting you get up and do something else. You actually learn how to, to look at boredom, to open to boredom and to physical discomfort and restlessness and mental, unpleasant mental states. Despair or, or anger or things that you, you, you don't like, which you would prefer to maybe, as soon as they come near your consciousness, you want to get away from them, find something else to do. So, in this attitude of, of awareness, mindfulness, and this is the receiving all the the inhalation and exhalation equally. The praise that you get from the world, the successes, the the romance, adventure, excitement, and the its opposite, the blame, the failures, the the uh, you know the boredom, the tediousness, the restlessness, the painfulness, and the despair and grief. Equal value. You know, awareness doesn't prefer one thing over another. It just observes the way it is that all conditions that arise cease. So your relationship to the conditioned world is one of knowing the world. And that's one of the epithets for the Buddha. It's knower of the world Loka we do, we chant it in the in the chanting. Loka is world. We do is knower. That's the epithet for the Buddha. So in your practice of meditation, you're taking the Buddha position. You're not trying to become a Buddha. You can't become a Buddha as a person. Any person that says he's he or she is a Buddha is more than definitely deluded. But, um, this, uh, but being Buddha isn't a personal, I'm not saying it in a personal way, but it's it's a reflection, a reminding. Being the Buddha, taking refuge in the Buddha means being aware, open. So, looking at this Buddha Rupa here in the Dhamma hall, what is it saying to you? It's a reminder, isn't it? That, you know, you, it sits there for several years now, and all the we come and go into this hall, and we go through various states of elation, depression, <laughs> and and so forth. And but the Buddha always is, you know, has this sense of composed awareness. Is not tense, not. Pushing is not uh, aesthetic. You know, there's these uh, images in in Thailand where they and in India where they have the uh, aesthetic Buddha before he was enlightened, when he was doing all this fasting. And some of these are really grotesque kind of images of a kind of skeletal, you know, sitting like a Buddha image in lotus posture, and you can count all the ribs in it. Gaunt, you know, sunken cheeks looks terrible, dreadful, and uh, and so then we think that this is uh, you know really good practice. You know, this is he looks quite well fed here, happy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point. You know, Buddha Rupas are always. They're quite, you know, they're they're not meant to be aesthetic figures. They're 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 you know. They they look happy and, and content and aware. So noticing this this uh, not happy in a, you know in, in a worldly way, but just at ease, content within themselves, at ease, no longer threatened and deluded by the world. So the world passes in front of Buddha. That's the the Dharma, the the different changing conditions. You know, the still we experience. It includes all that. It includes your your body, your emotional habits, everything, good, bad, right, wrong, whatever that you that you experience. It's not it's not preferring the good over the bad so a relationship to the conditioned realm is knowing that all conditions are anicca or impermanent everything from subtle mental states to to the very coarse material world we're not we're not uh, you know, the, the quality of the condition is no longer the issue it's The characteristic of change. So the nor of change from this stillness, this still point of awareness. Now, when you're aware, you become aware of, of when you really trust in awareness, you recognize, begin to realize a stillness, a natural stillness that you don't create. That's, that, that, is self-sustaining, it's not an illusion. It's not a, like a, an high state of, where you're hearing the angelic chorus. You know, so it's not not kind of sublime, the sense that you're, you're off in a in a higher realm. It's very present here and now. And recognizable. So this is what uh, investigation does, and with paśana. The word vipassana means looking into, investigating, insight. So, this means to investigate this moment is to pay attention to it. Now, you've got very good kind of directives, the teachings, the uh, Four Noble Truths, and so forth that we use. But these can be just merely intellectual. Attachments, and we think we understand the Four Noble Truths uh, because we we can define them. But this is investigating suffering, its causes. When suffering ceases, as we as we develop, as we recognize awareness as our refuge, then we're also we're aware of the subtleties. We're no longer just liking in our inhalations and and looking forward to the next inhalation while we're exhaling. We're, we're willing to endure the exhalation to receive it and and uh, not, not prefer it, prefer our inhaling over exhaling. I know this is probably not a problem with any of you, but it is, <laughs> just using this as a, is a kind of absurd example of what we do do, isn't it? What what happens in the world and how most people are living it. You know, really, you know, can't take the, the, uh, the other side of life, the downhill slide, the uh, up-to-the-peak moment. Like romance, isn't it? Uh, I knew a woman when I was in graduate school years ago, she'd been married seven times. I said, How could you get married seven times? You think you'd learn after, you know, even two or three. And she said, Well, I just like I like the romantic part. And then when it goes, you know, I no longer want to be married. <laughs> She's honest enough. (laughs) Most people wouldn't admit it. Man. You know, I I always remembered that because that is, we all like, remember uh, you know, romantic uh, experience, they're very high, isn't it? They're like peak moments and they're they're, on top of the world, but they're unsustainable, you can't sustain them. Because that's the way it is. There's nothing wrong with you or the world. Okay? It's just, that's the way sankharas are. <clears throat> so we're not trying to seek a state of permanent kind of extreme bliss or refinement. Because we're open to the way it is. And the, And this planet, this life that we live as a human being with a human body is like this. This is not an ethereal body. It's not a Devada body made out of ether. It's a very earthy body that, that is very sensitive. And, and we have to, you know, and it's uh we have to live with it till, till it dies. And it is, you know, and as you very well know, it's not a totally pleasant experience. And that is a lot of frustration. Pain and the aging process, sickness um, and all so forth, just uh, the body itself is like this. It's not a criticism of the body, but just noticing the nature of of this body, rather than seeing it in personal terms. The body is like this. It's it's it it's uh you know it's a certainly sensitive form, but it's quite coarse compared to, say, mental states that I can create. I can create refined mental states but inevitably I have to give them up to deal with the needs and the demands of a, of this body. And that's just the way it is. You know, much as I would like to live in a, in in this ethereal state of bliss eventually have to give in to the needs of the body. <laughs> and, and so it's not a matter of, of, of resenting that, but of just acknowledging that's, that's the Dhamma. You know, all conditions uh, that are born die. Uh, the aging process, the natural process. You know, so you, you, you're born, you grow up, you reach a peak, and then what is it? You reach the peak and then what happens? You get the downhill slide to death. You know, so you can't you know, that's that's um, that's the way sankaras are. Now you're, then the relationship to sankaras is knowing them. Sankaras are like this. Conditioned phenomena is like this. And then they. it's like this and just remind yourself to receive it's all right you know no matter what state it's in and it's on the on the going up or it's at the peak or it's going down it's it's the way it's supposed to be at this moment that's just the way it is you and you're the knower of it in other words that's the dhamma the buddha knows the dhamma or the truth of the way it is so In Buddhist meditation, you're actually informing, teaching yourself wisdom. You're informing your consciousness with wisdom. You're not just conditioning yourself to become some kind of Buddhist personality. You're informing, because we're all conscious beings, but we've we've been conditioned out of ignorance so our experience of life is based on you know cultural conditioning social identities personality views and and our thinking process our memories this is what we to most people is the real world so then then that is conditioned out of ignorance not knowing the truth of the way it is we we create a world that is is an illusory world. To awaken from the dream of life. So you uh, <laughs> so awakenness, attentiveness is the is this uh, mindfulness awareness, sati sattipanya, panya is wisdom. So I will be uh, here for another approximately two weeks. Uh, Ajahn Sajito will be back on the 24th, which is only about a week away. And so it'll be good to have him back. And uh, he's been away on sabbatical for a year uh, and uh, certainly deserves a sabbatical, a very very uh, dedicated, uh, hardworking Aja. So having a years off with no responsibility, he could just float around the world so he's been, he went first to Canada and uh, the United States, Australia, Thailand, and South Africa. Now he's back in England somewhere. I think he's in Devon. But uh, anyway, it would be good to have him back and then I can return to base camp, Amaravati. I've had a very pleasant year here. It's been very enjoyable for me. So I'll stop here.